Good morning. There we go. Good to see you guys. Good to be with you today. My name's Dawson, and uh, man, I haven't sat down on the stage for a while. It's a little weird. Got to get used to it. I don't know if I can do it. I might at some point start standing up and lunging at people. I, there's something, I mean, you got to have, it's kind of hard to, to talk. That kind of suppresses the diaphragm a little bit. So my name's Dawson. This is Ben, and uh, we're um, two of the many leaders and many followers of Jesus that are part of this, this church family. And um, I am one whom Jesus pursued and who came, he came after me and he got me. So that's my introduction today. Um, before we go into what uh, we believe the Father has for us, uh, just a couple of, of announcements. If, uh, if you're new to our church, this is like one and a half of the hours that we are the church together. And then there are many other hours that we are the church together. And uh, we, we organize into smaller um, micro families called uh, missional communities. And um, a couple ways to get plugged in to the life of our church. We have a lunch today called Intro to Soma that we have the first Sunday of every month. And you don't have to pay for it or bring anything there are magical sandwiches there, and I don't just say that, they, they're from Magical Sandwich Makers next door. Um, and so you can come there and just hear about who we are as a church. I think you're gonna be there today. Yep, so Ben will be there. Um, you can get connected by signing up to our newsletter, uh, which is right there, which we kind of take really seriously. We don't do a ton of like all these different, we don't have a strong social media presence, um, honestly, kind of intentionally a little bit. And this is the way that we do our communication. Uh, we take it, w when you get that newsletter, uh, we, we, the first sentence that you'll read is, hey, slow down, engage with this information as a spiritual practice, prayerfully consider how you might be a part of our church. So this is a way to get connected. Uh, but Honestly, there's a super like non-systems, just relational way to get connected. And that's, uh, I was just talking to someone who's here for the second time, they were here last week. Um, you can just like come to me or this guy or someone else and say, I wanna get connected, can you help me? Um, and we will do that. Uh, that's part of our job as equippers of the saints uh, to connect you with the body and then connect you with ways you can be on mission in the city. Are those our general announcements? That's it? Okay. And then um, uh, one last announcement that is unique to this Sunday or this season. That's that uh, in a few months, yes, we recently had Christmas, but we're also almost going into summer. Uh, we're getting close to the summer season. And we take summer super seriously. And by that, I mean we rest really seriously. We Sabbath. And we um, are pretty intentional about the fact that in the Pacific Northwest, there are two months where it's a lot easier to connect with people because they're outside. And so we um, do something in the summer. Uh, this is our, well, we kind of always did it, but this is our second year to, to, to hone in on it this way. Uh, we only gather every other week and then gather in this sense. Um, we really take seriously the gathering of the saints and the preaching of God's word. Uh, there's a huge cost to not gathering, gathering every other week, but it's very, very intentional. And that's why I'm talking to you about it on May 1st. And this, this, this week you'll get in the newsletter 
Um, let's make sure they get it in the newsletter. Uh, our, our schedule for the summer and every other week we will gather together and uh, we're going to be going through um, a series on equipping for mission called, called uh, it's, it'll be our BLESS series called, called BLESS. I'm not going to go into that. But on, on the off weeks, we will either gather in a park together or we, we do um, something that we call MCs on Mission, Missional Communities on Mission Sundays, where we intentionally are not gathering to remind you that we have a missional presence in the city, okay? So the reason I'm communicating on May 1st is so that we wouldn't take that lightly when it comes. It's actually a great way to shrink our church. Uh, in a way, in, in a culture, in a Western North American culture where we tend to have kind of a more consumeristic mindset, I'm going to show up and see what those guys on stage have to give me today. Um, it's a really great way for people who aren't connected to just get a little bit lost. And our, our goal is not to grow this crowd. Our goal is to commission disciple makers. And we right now are, are, I'm just wanting to name the risk, but also name the opportunity and invite everybody to strategically plan your summer to Sabbath well, to be the church together and then be on mission uh, together. So do you wanna add anything to that? Is that good? Is that good? Okay. All right, would you pray for our summer? Could you do that? Okay. Father, thank you that you have called us to, to be the church um, Monday through Saturday and on Sunday. And Lord, as we anticipate the opportunities during this summer of better weather, being outside, connecting with people, um, we, we know that we're just seed planters that plant the seed faithfully and you make it grow. And so we're, gonna, we're asking right now that you'd prepare the soil even right now for the people that you want us to connect with in a more intentional way. And Lord, I pray that we would be salt and light in this city. Um, Lord, we, we ask um, even right now that you'd help us to, to plan well as families, as we plan our vacations, as we plan our, our times together as a smaller family. We'd remember the, the family of God and the mission that you've called us to. So we ask that you'd lead us, Spirit of God. We need you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ben. Well, as Brittany hinted, if you were here when she said it, um, we're going to do things a little bit different today, but it's not that different. We kind of do this fairly often, uh, especially kind of at the end of a, of a, of a series. Um, we have a response Sunday and say, hey, what, what did the Spirit tell you the last few weeks? What, is, what was highlighted to you? in the word of God, what did you feel called to? So that's what we're doing today. We had a very brief resurrection series where we just looked at one, one very rich chapter um, in the New Testament in the letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15. So what we're gonna do today is uh, Ben and I are gonna briefly, seriously briefly, highlight four, four things uh, that just sounds like a contradiction. We're going to briefly highlight four different things, um, but we are. And then we really want to invite our family uh, to share what, um, what, what God has been speaking to you, what might edify or encourage the church, or you can just share, um, hey, I'm in need uh, today. And here are the two questions that I gave us last week to kind of frame it. 
Um, if you can put those up there, on Andre, yep, uh, the, that one, yep. So in light of the resurrection that we celebrated, um, the big celebration, annual celebration is on Easter, right? Two weeks ago. What are you thankful for? And what are you longing for? What are you still longing for? And that could be that you might just come up here, we'll have uh, this microphone, and you might not say anything, but you just might read a scripture. You just might say, hey family, I need you to hear this. Look what God says, and you just read a scripture. It might be that uh, you want to share a story or evidence of God's grace. It could be recent. It could be, oh, wait a second, this happened this last year. I haven't shared this with the family. I think this is the moment that it would be really encouraging for people to hear this. Um, it might be a poem. Some of you are like, not me. That's not going to be a poem for me. But some of you write poetry and, uh, or you know, read it and you want to share it. Um, and like I said, it could be, we're very much a church that, that does not uh, necessitate that we put bows on things and only share the finished stuff because we're all people in process that the Father is caring for, um, if that wasn't already evident from the way Brittany was talking and the way she was leading us. So if you're like, <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not there yet, but I, I think the resurrection hope is true, but here's where I'm at and that's all I got, um, you can do that. And there might be space then for, for us to pray over you or for you to find someone, uh, or someone will find you uh, to, to pray with you or to walk with you and say, hey, I'd like to, let's spend some time on that. So that's the, that's the framing for today. And then what we're gonna do um, is, is read that whole chapter again, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll read it in, in two parts, Ben will take the first half, I'll take the second. But if you want to open your Bibles, actually do whatever is best for you. Some of you, some of you read better, some of you listen better. So if you, if you want to listen, that's fine. But we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15, and, um, and it's, a long, it's a long chapter. Uh, but this might be the most important part of the gathering for some of us, just reading this chapter and what God has to say through a guy named Paul writing to a church in Corinth a long time ago, but it's actually a message for Soma Tacoma uh, today as well. Let's read together 1 Corinthians 15, um, verse one. These, these are the words of the Lord. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But... By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is 
with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus, it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the Lord word of the Lord. Amen. Can we just take a minute and sit and thank Jesus for what we just read? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is amazing. <laughs> and uh, we've read it at least three times in the past three weeks. Um, but let's, let's just pray that God will give us a fresh sense of wonder at the reality of the resurrection. Jesus, show us how beautiful the gospel is all over again as we listen and respond in thanksgiving.
So as we move towards our response, um, we wanted to highlight just four implications, like four so what's of the resurrection. There's hundreds of them, right? But we're going to highlight four that are from this passage that are some review and just also some highlighting some things that we didn't get a chance to in the last couple of weeks. So the first implication, the first reason we have hope in the resurrection of Jesus is we have hope that we have been saved, that we are being saved, and that we will be saved. If you're new to our church, we like to talk about the three tenses of the gospel. We have been saved from the penalty of sin, we are being saved from the power of sin, and we will be saved from the presence of sin. And so when Jesus rose from the dead, it was this declaration that the cup of condemnation, the cup of wrath that he drank on the cross was dry. He drank the whole thing. There is no condemnation left for us. There is no penalty left for us in Jesus. And when he rose from the dead, it was this public declaration that he did it. (laughs) It's finished. And so there is, there's therefore Romans 8, 1, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So for all of our guilt, for all of our shame, we go back to the resurrection and we remember what Jesus did actually worked. And God yeah. does not look at us anymore in light of our own sin, but in light of the work of Jesus and we are not condemned But then we are being saved from the power of sin. So the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in us. And so when we're frustrated at our lack of progress, when we feel our temptation to sin, when we wonder if we're ever going to be changed into the image of Jesus, we remember that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. And that same power is at work. And we can ask Jesus that it will be continually at work in us, changing us and transforming us. But the last part is really good news because we're constantly struggling, right? And someday we will be saved from the presence of sin. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But someday we'll be delivered completely from all the brokenness of this world and our own bodies. Isn't that good news? It's really good news because Mm -hmm. of the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we are being saved. We have been saved. We are being saved, and we will be saved. Hmm. He's so concise. Whenever we do this together, I'm like, I'm going to take so long to do my part. <laughs> so that was, that was implication number one. Andre, you can throw that up there, that first slide. Uh, we have hope that we have been saved, are being saved, and will be saved. And it really is good news. I, I, I'm taking more time to repeat what you just said, but we, we have been saved. That's our justification. Like, it is done. It's amazing. We are being saved. That's our sanctification. There's this process. And one day, there's another biblical fancy word, our glorification. We're going to be saved from the presence of sin. It's all going to be done. The sin won't be an option. That's really good news. So the second implication is this one right here. You can do the next slide that because of the resurrection, we have hope that Jesus is actively reigning and his kingdom will come. That's two things. It's interesting. His kingdom will come, but we're not waiting for his active reign. Like right now, he is on the throne. This is a, a something called the session of Jesus. We don't, we don't talk about this that often. We talk about the incarnation that he, that he came we, talked, we talk about the, the, 
his life. We talk about the crucifixion of Jesus, that he died. We talk about his resurrection, that he rose again. We talk about the ascension of Jesus, but there's another one. After he ascended, he, he goes into session. That might be a strange word, but, but maybe not. Like, you've heard that word before when we say Congress is in session. What does it mean? They're, they're, they're sitting and doing something. Well, with Congress, they might not be doing anything, but they're supposed to be doing something. They're like sitting and do, they're sitting down. That's, that's uh, really important. And, and Reve- um, we saw in our passage in, in verse 25 of this chapter, uh, it says he, he must reign. It's so, it's so interesting telling Jesus he must do something. Uh, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. What, a, what an interesting job description he has right now. He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. That's what he's doing right now. Uh, in Revelation, John, a little island of Patmos, gets this very unique opportunity that none of us will probably get, maybe, maybe one of you will, I don't know, where um, he gets this revelation, uh, a voice from heaven says, listen to this, the invitation, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. This is awesome. And instantly, John says, I was in the spirit and, and I saw a throne, so he sees a chair, he sees a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. I just love that picture. He's like, hey John, come up here, I wanna show you something. What does he get to see? He sees a chair and someone sitting on the chair. And so Jesus right now, regardless of how crazy this cultural moment is, and regardless of how hard um, your current moment is, if you were to look at the chair, like John, someone is sitting on it, which is really good. Um, there, there is this reality, the second part, that his kingdom will come. There's this like already not yet tension, um, which reminds me of Robin Hood. You thought I was gonna say Star Wars, but I didn't. <laughs> and I just showed my, my kids the oldest movie they've ever seen, 1938, Errol Flynn, Robin Hood, an excellent movie, by the way, and you can show it to five-year-olds. Um, Richard, the, you know the story. I'm not going to do the whole thing. I really am almost done. I promise. <laughs> My notes keep shrinking. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Should I just stop? Or, no, you go. I, oh, I got to see Robin Hood. Uh, Rich, you know the story. Richard the Lionheart leaves for a while. He's, he's, he's off. He's away. And um, wicked Prince John takes charge. I, I love, one of the main things I teach my kids is good king, bad king stuff. And if they can get that, he's a bad king. He's a bad, he's not even a king. He's pretending to be a king. And anyone faithful to the true king is an outlaw. So you know the story, Robin Hood, he has a band of merry men, which I just love that. That's like they're, they're just joyful men, band of merry men. But the other thing, they're not only joyful, they're loyal. They're loyal men. And in that version of the Robin Hood story, is this powerful moment where King Richard comes back, but wisely, he's like disguised, and he actually bumps in to, to Robin Hood, and Robin Hood's trying to figure out who this guy is, and he's actually like trying to rob him because he looks like he's a powerful man that shouldn't have money, and, um, and King Richard, he's, he loves Robin, it's obvious, he's like, I love this guy, I really like this guy, and he says, before he reveals who he is, he's still like hiding, he says, why, why are you doing this? And Robin Hood says, because of my loyalty, an allegiance to the king who sits on the throne. 
which is so interesting because he's not been sitting on the throne. But in Robin Hood's mind, he's like, no, he is sitting on the throne. And then there's this awesome moment where King Richard like takes off his robe and there's like this lion heart thing here. And it's like, oh my goodness, he's so like, he's it's this awesome reveal. And Robin Hood kneels and says, my, my liege. Like, and I just love that picture that though the king is absent in Robin Hood's mind, he's on the throne. And that changes everything. Um, our king is already seated at the right hand of God, even while the whole world goes for Prince John. That's just good hope for us, guys. Like he is on the throne right now. Yeah. That's good. It made me, um, made me think of the verse in Hebrews. I can't remember the exact reference, but it says that Jesus is able to save us to the uttermost because he ever, this might be King James, who knows, from, from childhood, because he ever lives to make intercession for us. So his session is the guarantee that he's going to finish what he started. Uh-huh. And so this next implication, this next hope, is because Jesus rose again, we have hope that brokenness and death are temporary. Yeah. We will be resurrected and live with Jesus forever. And verse 42 that we read says that we're going to have a spiritual body, an imperishable body, a body that's raised in power and glory. And Jesus is interceding so that that is guaranteed that will happen. And as the great theologian Jackie Hill Perry said, Goliath was decapitated by his own sword and Jesus took death and decapitated death. Mm -hmm. Jesus took the enemy the weapon of the enemy and killed the enemy. And by Jesus' death, he has destroyed death. And so that gives us hope that all the brokenness that we live with, all the sighs and the groans and the aches and the pains and the struggle with sin, everything from cancer to COVID to the common cold, that will all be destroyed someday. And we will, with perfect bodies, live in a new heaven and a new earth and most importantly, be in the presence of Jesus forever. And that is really good news. We will see him by sight, face to face. We won't have to live by faith anymore. We'll get to live by sight and be face to face with Jesus. And because of the resurrection, we have a a wonderful future to look forward to. And that gives us hope. It's good. So we have a very bright future. But as resurrection people, we're not just like sitting this one out till we get there. That's the last one. That's, that's point number four, um, that because of the resurrection, we have hope that all of our sacrificial efforts to live right now and share the good news of Jesus are worth it. Like right now, we're not just sitting this, we're not just like waiting. Um, So there's like this clear call in this chapter all throughout of this call to like lose your life every day for the sake of the gospel. Like Paul literally says that. He's kind of like a little frustrated. Um, He's so kind in this letter, but he definitely gets frustrated a few times. And he's like, guys, I die every day. And the only reason I can do that is because of resurrection. That's, That's right in the middle there. Um, He says, I die every day. And then he concludes the whole chapter by saying, in light of all this awesome amazingness, therefore, what's the last verse say? My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Or as um, one of my favorite transcribers says, he says it this way, with all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. Don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Isn't that crazy? He's saying like, if you submit your heart to Jesus, nothing you do is a waste of time or effort. And last week I shared this, uh, this crazy story about a missionary who, like his effort was going to cannibals. I'm gonna mention it again because we had a leaders meeting that night and some people were mentioning like, doesn't matter even if there's cannibals and the, and the leaders that weren't there were like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, like so I'm gonna mention it again because uh, I think it's a great story that really frames like my, um, my hurdles to like the mission of God. And simply it's that this missionary was gonna go to some islands that had only been, um, had only, there, there were two guys that had gone there before who were trying to share Jesus and, and I think they did, but in a very, very short few minutes because they were killed and um, eaten by cannibals. And so he's, he's gonna go there, this guy named John Patton, 20 years later with his wife and with his kid, and everyone's trying to dissuade them. I'm gonna read the quote again, because I think, I think it's a powerful one. One of the guys comes to him. This is John Patton's word. Amongst many who sought to deter me was one dear old Christian gentleman whose crowning argument always was, the cannibals, you will be eaten by cannibals which is a good argument. And uh, last, at last, John Patton replies, <clears throat> Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. That means you're gonna die, you're gonna be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it'll make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms. And in the great day that we just read about, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. It's just, that's a really good framing, eaten by worms or cannibals. And the gentleman left saying, after that, I have nothing more to say, um, which is just a good framing for us that uh, right now we do have work to do. But it's like, I think you told me on Monday after we were debriefing our time, you're like, it's just no risk. There's just no risk. There's absolutely no risk, even if it means going to an island of cannibals. There's just, in the end, there's no risk at all. And so what does it look like for us to be a church of people on mission, which, whether it's cannibals or not, can give you butterflies in your stomach for different reasons, but to reframe it, recognizing in the end, there's, there's no risk at all. And if my heart is devoted to Jesus, every single thing that I do, Paul says, is actually, is actually worth it. So, yeah. That's good, brother. That's good. So that's the fourth one. That's fourth. All right, we're going to try to stop talking. We're doing fine, man. We got like... Doing good? Yeah, we got good. Awesome. over 30 minutes. Sweet. 32. Good. <laughs> I was going to say... As Mr. Dixon says, in light of that, I have nothing left to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I actually do just a little bit. 
Um, so we'll put these two questions back up on the board. In light of the resurrection, what are you thankful for? So where, where do you see signs of hope, signs of life, signs of resurrection, life in your, in your story? Um, even if it's a little sprout, just a little bit. Or, and you don't have to do both of these, just, just one or the other, unless you have both. Or what are you longing for? Where do you want to see life? And right now it's just a, like an empty plot of dirt and you really are longing for life and you're not seeing it. Like, what are you longing for? So we're going to sit and listen just for a second, just for a couple minutes. But before we do that, let me give you some practical um, advice, practical steps for coming up and sharing. Um, if, you are, if you're wanting to share, just come up to one of these two front pews here and just sit and kind of create a queue and we'll... That way we know that you're ready and wanting to share something. Yeah, just so it's clear, we didn't, we didn't line up people to share. We're like asking everyone right yeah. now to share, just so you, you know. Yeah. And if you're, if you're new here or if you, are, if you have something to share and you're just not quite sure, I don't know if I should share this. I don't know if this is encouraging, helpful, appropriate for this setting. Allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was sitting right over here, and you can just come over and whisper in my ear, say, hey, I want to share this. You think that's a good idea? Or there's Brandon, one of our elders here, and Kobe, you guys want to raise your hands? Maybe Brandon, if you could just come down Yeah, maybe here. Brandon can come up, just kind of whisper in his ear, and, and that way, if you have any questions about it, it, it kind of helps us um, know what's, what's to be shared and what's good for this moment. Yeah. And then um, try to be brief, like one to two minutes, all right? If, if the spirit is working, we'll all know it, and, and you can go longer, but generally speaking, one to two minutes. Or we might just start praying for you. Like, hey, that's really good what you shared so far. Can we pray for you? <laughs> <laughs> but do your best to keep, it, to keep it brief, just to make space for other people to, to share. So, so let me pray. Um, we're actually just going to take a minute. Just take a minute to listen. Ask the spirit, like, what do you want me to share today? Do you want me to share anything? And especially those of us who are more introverted and you're like, I don't think I should share anything at all, but, but maybe if you sit in silence for a little bit, the Spirit will say, yeah, you need to. Can I do one more thing? Please. Uh, we, we've said this before. Um, we, we really try to be careful because we, we share it. We do this a lot. But we really try to be careful to say anything that's like these three things. You don't have to remember them, but you will if you have something that falls in these categories. If it's corrective, predictive, or directive, we don't usually, we're really, that would be the thing you can like go talk to Brandon or Ben about. Like if you're like, hey, I think this church needs to like correct something right now. Uh, um, or if you say, hey, I have a prediction that Jesus is gonna come back, I think, in three years. Um, or if you say, hey, I think one of you needs prayer right now to be healed, that would be directive. Those are the things that we totally think that the Spirit um, does speak that way, but we also see abuse happening in the church when people just throw those things out flippantly. So I don't know, we, I didn't have that in my notes, but just felt like I wanted to share it. Um, so just be careful about those things, but there are so many things that can be shared, like the vast majority can, but if it falls into those three categories and you're like, I really wanna share this, I really do think Jesus is coming back in three years, great, go talk to Brandon first and, and then. <laughs> I'm glad he said you and not me. <laughs> And then I'm going to be down here just to, like, help moderate it. Uh, I'll, we'll give you this microphone uh, to hold um, so you won't be, you won't be alone. Um, there's a lot that the Spirit has to say today through non-Ben and Dawson voices. Yes. So right. um, uh, let's, let's listen first. Yep. Okay. 
Yep, so let's take a few minutes and just listen. We'll take some silence and spirit speak to us. We're listening. Show us what to share in this moment. Father, as we, as we share, we want to um, do what Psalm 107 tells us to do at the beginning and the end. The beginning, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord share their story. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it says, let the one who is wise listen and remember that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So God, I, I pray for that in this moment, that as we hear from your people, we would be encouraged by your steadfast love. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, whoa, what's that? There we go. I thought that was the Holy Spirit. Like, nope, sit down. <laughs> that would be corrective. Uh, I've, I'm going to stand down here. So uh, you can come up. Uh, again, you do not have to talk to Ben and Brandon. They're just there for, to help you. Um, and so... Let's take a second. This is how it usually works. It takes like a minute to get going. And then people usually queue up here and we got to like slow it down. So go ahead and come up here. I already applaud the first person. And if you just want to read scripture, that's a great way to get kicked off. But I'm actually, get us kicked off. And there he is, George Sheffy and Charles. Here we go. Okay. And done. All right. right. You guys better hurry up because, okay. <clears throat> the app is saying do you want to give a rating right now <laughs> no there you go first thing I want to say is I'm probably like many of you spirits tugging my heart to come up here and I'm like oh I don't want to do that I don't want to do that but he's so gentle and I do want to do that because he's been so good to me well beyond what I deserve. So I'm going to read out of Lamentations. If I can see it. Here it is. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. I've not been doing a good job on that part. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So what's been happening with me uh, that I'm so thankful for is God's bringing me back to what he has given me. Often I'm off in the weeds thinking about what I want, 
what I don't have, what I wish I had. And uh, in this season, it's just been, wow, God, you saved me. I was a wretch. I was, I was going someplace that wasn't going to be heaven. And so I'm just back there again, even though it's been decades since he saved my life. So I'm thankful for that. I'm not going to always comment on everybody, but hey, listen, that was the tip of an iceberg of something that George can share. If you want to be pastored this week, say, George, can we get coffee? And he'll share the rest of the story. There's a lot of, of powerful work that God's done as you submitted. Thank you for sharing that, brother. Don Crook. I better stop saying names. I'm not going to know someone's name. and just be like, you, come on. <laughs> Hi. So uh, I was sharing this with the people who, who, with whom I was praying for earlier on for you. And uh, what, uh, where I'm at now, I'm 81 years old, and, uh, which makes me the oldest of all the people here, and that's been going on for quite a while. Uh, and uh, I think the last church and the other one before that probably, but... <clears throat> Anyway, so I only say that because I'm now, uh, my, my three kids, well, first of all, my wife went to be with Jesus uh, 14 months ago, and that next year has, it's been very difficult mm-hmm. for me at times, and a very empty house. Yeah. So my kids decided I needed to go to, what do you call them? I didn't want to say old folks home. I, I didn't want to say anything. No, I didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to let you take that one. So at 81, I'm probably in the um, youngest of, of 130 people. A wee lad. Yeah. Back off. Okay. Uh, and, uh, that was corrective, man. So... So Bonnie and I have, uh, we've sort of moved around. It's a God thing, and I won't go through that, but uh, he is, uh, the Lord has used us not only in the ministry, like in a church, but in the neighborhood. And uh, we've seen uh, people become Christians. Some of them have died, and they're already gone ahead of Bunny, and gone ahead of, I hope, of me. And um, so it's been really quite wonderful in many ways and lots of sad things in terms of connecting with people and having a heart for anything we've got to say. So here now I'm in this, uh, this uh, place on 19th South. As you go towards the water, you run by this big, big old building, not old, and I'm, I'm there. So I am now one of the youngest uh, of these people. And... Uh, um, so many people seem to know my name the first day. I still haven't figured that out. Mm-hmm. But that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way it works in, in where I'm playing, the, it's three meals a day. I hang out with the same people every breakfast. I don't say too much about my faith yet. When I do, they listen and then they move quickly to other topics. So they they got a they got a hold of me. They they got a sense of what where I'm coming from, mm-hmm. and uh, they've heard a little bit of my story. Not much. It's not that interesting to them. But I have these other people uh, older than me, and I uh, I walk into this dining hall, 
big old dining hall, not a lot of people. I think a lot of them just eat out of the room. And I'm looking for a person. And uh, if I can get away with it, I sit with her. It's more hers than him's uh, by far. And I ask them for their story. And uh, they may ask me for my story, and if I get a chance, I share something. But I'm just getting, I'm, I've only been there three months. I'm becoming known. I don't know what that means to some of them. Uh, but I'm becoming known, uh, and, and I'm, I'm friendly because I love, I love all these people. I love all these people. I lived in Fircrest uh, just before this. We sold the house. I loved all those people. They didn't necessarily love me. They were in plight. But here they are connected. And uh, so this is a different deal. These are people who are going to die. Mm -hmm. And they're dying frequently. Mm -hmm. And other people come in. I don't plan to die for quite a long time. And uh, Lord willing. And so I, I, uh, uh, I just have a heart for all these people. Problem is, this is where I'm asking for prayer. I told these guys earlier, I have become forgetful. I can't remember names. So I need prayer, because I don't want to, I want to know their names. It's very special. Everybody wants to have people know who they are. So I need prayer for that. Um, there's 100 women and about 30 guys, maybe. So I'm hanging out with women all the time. It's a little weird. Um, and just getting to know them. I've only been there a while, so uh, that's my heart. My heart was that in, my, in Fircrest and in, in uh, another place in, in, um, in this area. I think by the time we finished, we, Buddy and I and, and a few other Christians had connected strongly with 23 homes. I think we were there for eight years or something. Mm -hmm. And we'd often share the gospel. Um, saw a few people saved, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, that's me these days. Uh, it's in a very different place. Thankfully, my kids are all within a, an hour and a bunch of other nice people here, et cetera. Uh, but my hope and prayer is that I will be able to remember people's names and the Lord will give me all these different opportunities. I mean, all over the place. They're hanging out in the lounge or whatever they call it. And I play cards with ladies and a few men, maybe. Um, but that's my, my desire that I would be. Uh, oh, one more thing. There is a little church we have tonight. Every night, every Sunday, 6 o'clock. Sweet preacher. I love the guy. There are about 15 people who come. Fourteen are women, one is me. It's mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> some are sent to cannibals and some are sent to the ladies. Uh, I really don't want to comment on every single one, but every time I talk to Don, I used to, in Slovakia, I lived by, by a cemetery, and it was really good for me just to keep walking by it, be reminded, like... We only got a little bit of time. Every time I talk to Don, yeah, he's going to live a long time, but he's hanging out with people that, that are dying. So thank you. Your labor is not in vain, and I'm going to pray for you. And if you would, pray, maybe even reach out over to him. We've been praying that he would remember the names. It's a very specific request. Jesus, um, 
You care about names. Uh, we saw in the Gospels, you would, you would call people by their name. Um, names are important, speak to identity. They, talk, they, they help show that we care. Um, thank you that Don cares. So I actually pray as I'm praying. I'm, I'm, my primary prayer is actually that the person who he's speaking to would know that he cares. And if name remembering is helpful, help him remember. Amen. Hello. Um, so a friend of mine back in November gave me this book of poems. It's a fellow widow. For those of you who don't know me, my husband Randy died two and a half years ago. Um, and this, this was her, just her compilation of poems just during her grief journey. And this, I feel like, is such a beautiful encapsulation of just the tension of living in the already not yet, this um, between death and life. Um, the poem is called, oh, and the, the book of poems, I think, is called The Cure for Sorrow. But the name of this one is God of the Living, and it starts out with a verse, Luke 20, 38. Now he is the God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. This is the poem. When the wall between the worlds is too firm, too close, when it seems all solidity and sharp edges, when every morning you wake as if flattened against it, its forbidding presence fairly pressing the breath from you all over again, then may you be given a glimpse of how weak the wall and how strong what stirs on the other side, breathing with you and blessing you still. Forever bound to you, but freeing you into this living into this world so much wider than you ever knew. Mm. Amen. Thanks. Wow. Hi, I'm Charles. And if you're like, who is this guy? It's because I've been in Boise for six months. Welcome back. Um, which is part of what I'm thankful for. Uh, so I left in September for Boise, and my prayer when I was there was I didn't want to waste the time. Um, and so I got connected with the church there, and... Uh, actually, it's the same church the Hebert's are a part of, if you know them. Awesome. Um, which was not my design. I didn't go, let's find the Hebert. So this is another praise. But that's a, that's a, a family we sent out uh, two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I felt like I, my prayer was invest, you know, I want to be invested there. I, and when I leave, I want to regret leaving or be mm -hmm. like grieve leaving. And, and I did. So I, I was great. God honored that. Um, what I'm also thankful for is that my... Uh, my salvation does not depend on me, and it is not dependent on my past, present, or future. So that's uh, that's specific answer to that question. What I'm longing for, when I left, uh, we had dissolved our missional community, Brandon and, and Kobe, wherever he is, um, and Krista, yeah, um, and Alex, Ashley. Um, and so coming back, I, I felt like I don't have any wisdom or direction or vision, and mm -hmm. I'm sort of like... What do we do? And actually that's true where I live and where I work and all the rest. So that's, that's kind of what I'm longing for is vision. Great. You didn't put a bow on it. Awesome. No. Who would like to pray for Charles right now? God, thanks for Charles. Thank you that he's thankful. You're the, you're the only one that can make us thankful. 
and um, I'm glad that he sees himself in light of Jesus even more um, mm. after his trek to Boise. Yeah. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd meet the longing of, of his heart, give him direction and vision, mm -hmm. and a, a clear sense of your presence along the way. Um, Jesus, you often show us one step at a time, and we have to stop looking around your shoulder. So I pray that you'd help him to just follow you really, really closely, yeah. and then make um, the way forward clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle? All right. I'm trying to keep a cue in my head. It's me again. Um, I've just started rediscovering poetry lately, and I heard this poem on New Year's Eve at the end of our Defiant Hope series, and it's from Thomas Hardy, who wrote it on New Year's Eve at what I always called the turn of the century, which was 1901. And um, it really hit me. Um, he's looking out at a English landscape in the dead of winter. I leant upon a coppice gate when frost was specter gray and winter's dregs made desolate the weakening eye of day the tangled bind stems scored the sky like strings of broken lyres, and all mankind that haunted nigh had sought their household fires. The land's sharp features seemed to be the century's corpse outlent, his crypt the cloudy canopy, the wind his death lament. The ancient pulse of germ and birth was shrunken hard and dry and every spirit upon earth seemed fervorless as I. At once a voice arose among the bleak twigs overhead in a full-hearted evening song of joy unlimited. An aged thrush, frail, gaunt, and small, in blast-beruffled plume, had chosen thus to fling his soul upon the growing gloom. So little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sound was written on terrestrial things afar or nigh aground, around that I could think there trembled through his happy goodnight air some blessed hope whereof he knew and I was unaware. And he capitalizes hope. I don't know Thomas Hardy's um, inner world or what he knows of knew of God or knows of God. Um, but it really hit me at a time, and that time comes again and again, of looking at the world and from my own neighborhood on and wearing that, where that blessed hope is. Mm. And I was listening, because I was serving and with kids, I was listening to one of uh, your messages and I was hit in how I thought, oh, you know, resurrection hope. I need ascension hope. I need the hope that we just talked about, Jesus in session and is doing something. And then I heard uh, someone else share about how in Scripture we learn that God collects our tears and our prayers. And we have these scenes in Revelation of how 
the prayers of the saints are, are like incense to God. And that at this one point, you see the angel put those prayers on the throne going up to God as incense and then takes them as fire and throws them to the earth. And they gave this, this view of like God collects, he hears all those prayers, even the ones we think he's not answering. He's holding those and then he's going to, in the end, make them all a great yes in him, the ones of his will, of course. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just gave me hope that our prayers are so important even when we don't know what the heck God's doing with them. But he's doing this mysterious thing as the church that he's using our hopes and dreams and, and calls to him, and he's going to make them all come to fruition. Wow, it's good. It's a beautiful picture. We're praying, and God, like, that smells good. That smells really good. I like that picture. Brandon, you're sitting, correct? To, you're not in queue, right? Okay. Kobe and Krista? Is it Kobe then Krista? Okay. It's separate. All right. You, you're two individual people. Yeah. That's correct. Just happen <laughs> to be married. two individual people. Come on in the middle, man. Yeah. Um, I'm really thankful for this, just what we're doing mm-hmm. right now, and uh, really thankful. We almost, we almost didn't make it to the gathering this morning because we just got up late, kids, craziness. I'm, just, I'm really grateful we came. <laughs> and just the reminder of the resurrection. I think I really needed that this morning. Um, that poem really struck me too. Thanks for sharing that, Michelle. But I think for me, uh, I'm like, I'm dealing with some really heavy stuff at work and it's been, I think it's, it's like things that I feel like I can help with, but then I can often get swept up into like, I have to figure out a way to solve this problem or help these people or make a difference here. And it's kind of been part of my story just my whole life. It's like trying to rescue and like make, make this big impact stuff. And I think just the, this morning, I'm so thankful for you guys anchoring us back mm. in the resurrection and the hope that it's not, it's not all, all on me. It's, and nothing's wasted, even if I don't get to see the fruit of what I'm longing to see come out of like the work that I'm putting into stuff. Um, just really, really good reminder this morning. Um, it's, we can, we can live, we can, we can be who we are. We can take up the size, take up the space that we actually take up. We don't have to be bigger than we are or smaller than we are. There's Jesus's in session. I've never heard that term before, but that really resonated. Um, yeah, really grateful to be here this morning. Mm, thanks for coming up and sharing. Yeah. Even that first part about not wanting to come. I mean, yeah. I think there's a ministry. There's a, there's a ministry of participation. We were all blessed yeah. that, because we wouldn't have heard this. So th- yeah. thanks for sharing. I think it's, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that we didn't want to come. It's like that shame thing <laughs> when you're going to walk in. Oh, we're going to come in late. Yeah. 35, oh, 40 minutes late. That's like, oh, man. That's but, a great point. We yeah. should all like celebrate with someone. Like, great job yeah. coming, even though you're late, man. Like, that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, clap at Kobe. <laughs> that was an that was an office joke. Clap at Kobe. I thought you'd like that, Krista. Oh, and I was gonna say, um, maybe. 
come receive prayer at the end for like the work stuff. That'd be great, like for us to pray for you. Krista. Okay, I just wanted to share uh, something. I guess it's intertwined the the two questions. Um, Literal uh, sprouts of hope. Um, I have been growing an interest in learning about um, ancient heirloom seeds and things that the peoples, the the original peoples of this land um, ate for survival and would grow. And so this spring I ordered some some seeds that have been used even by like the native peoples. And one of those was uh, a bean that people found in a sealed clay jar in a cave in New Mexico uh, that was sealed with pine pitch and they did carbon dating on it because they didn't know where these beans came from and they were carbon dated to about 1500 years old and they were still viable and so they've, they've been able to like kind of resurrect some of these old ancient foods. Anyway, I, um, I've been planting seeds in my garden and it's been a cold, dark, long spring. And yesterday I was even showing Kobe that some of these seeds, like celery seeds, that it, they're like tinier than a poppy seed when you put them in the dirt. And you just, you don't even plant them, you just throw them on top of the dirt because they're so small. And like they're coming up tinier than a Douglas fir needle, but like just that green, tiny, tiny thing is such a herald of, of hope. And, and I think I was just thinking like, man, if, if God can do that with seeds and cold, dark soil, like what could he do with our hearts? Um, that awakening process of just waiting, <laughs> yeah. sometimes in the dark for a long time. Um, but, Ooh, that's good. but yeah, just signs and hopes and hints of resurrection literally under our feet when we walk outside if we if we walk out on the grass like we're walking all over it and it's up in the trees blooming over our heads and it's it's just there so Mm -hmm. just that's what i'm thankful for this morning it's amazing great place to land it was in the the chapter he he goes consider the seeds like look at the seeds yeah Yeah, thank you Things you didn't, in case you, in case you didn't know, that's really good. I'm so sorry, Rachel. You were in line. Come here. Thanks, Brandon. And I'm just gonna say, uh, Ben. I think we'll we'll send people to get their kids. That way, we're not like, like. Um, does that sound good? Okay. Uh, Actually, let me go ahead and say that. Uh, Anytime like now-ish, we do need to go get our kids because we're really trying to honor those who serve the kids. And we're really trying to grow in that. That right at 1130, they know that that time of discipleship is over. So <laughs> get, get, um, get your kids, but I would invite you to actually, if, if they're not, if they're melting, bless you, go have a great lunch. Um, if they're not, come back in here. Let them observe the last part of our gathering, taking communion, okay? You can bring them, you can bring them back. And uh, yeah, so go ahead pretty soon and grab them <clears throat> and then come back. Let's talk again. Okay. Um, I have two poems that um, I wrote a while ago and 
in thinking about this Sunday this week kind of came up, and I think that there's an interesting conversation happening between them, but also between the text and between what else has been shared. So, um, The first is Fruit of Hope. How do you know when it's time to let a dream die, hmm. to allow the ashes to return to the earth and nurture new life? What do you do with the long winter needed to allow the land to rest? How can I trust that what springs up will grow into new life? Everything that has grown before has died before its time. Will I ever see the fruits of hope fulfilled? Hmm. Wow. And then the second one is loss and longing. These are two poems written by an Enneagram for. So here you go. <laughs> um, I also shouldn't make jokes about my feelings. So there's therapy for you. <laughs> Anyways. Um, we like you. I know. I know. Thank you. <laughs> um, when I feel the sting of loss and longing, mm. you, oh God, meet me there with loving kindness in your hand. Mm. Ooh, hello. Mm. Your presence is with me. Why am I surprised to meet you? Mm. Again and again you show me that with you I lack no good thing. You are strong. You are true. You are kind, you are king. When my heart is caught up in loss and longing, reaching for what I want rather than what you've given, please catch my eye, my hand, my heart. Whisper that you see me and love me and know me. Remind me that all I need is already in your hands. That's good. Amen. Dave, come on. And then Brittany, if you want to go ahead and, and come up, and Ben will lead us here in a second. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just thankful to be with all of you guys. Um, thankful for the gift of this family. Um, just wanted to share um, two things. One, um, just thankful for the fact that because Christ is resurrected, he opens our eyes to be able to see him and enjoy him and be satisfied in him. That's one of my longings, to, is to find increasing satisfaction in him because my tendency is to with my job to, to find worth in my performance yeah. instead of ultimately being created in his image and what he's already accomplished for me. So that's a struggle that I definitely deal with. Um, so I just want to share a scripture that I've come to really love. It's in light of um, our eyes being opened to see God more clearly. And it's uh, hmm. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, And we all with unveiled face, mm -hmm. beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I like to think of uh, the Apostle Paul. He was blind before he was blinded. He was spiritually blind before he was physically blinded. And the context of this, I'll just read this briefly um, for that passage. It says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ 
is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, the veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So those are longings that I have to be transformed and to see more clearly his glory. And how do we do that? We see it in his word, the word of God. We see it in his creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. We see it in when God transforms our lives. I mean, when we saw Saul become Paul, that was an evidence of the glory of God transforming him. So. That's great. Awesome.